Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 17 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Thank you for joining us again for another uh, weekly episode of the show. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us. I love being here. Isn't it the best? It is. How, I look how, forward to this every week. <laughs> how was your weekend? My weekend was fantastic. I, I went to a wedding. Uh, I can neither confirm Don't divulge any executive order breaking activities. That there are some people that decided those executive orders are no longer relevant or required or intelligent. So I'll just say that we had a good time. wonderful social distancing with no dancing whatsoever and consistent mask wearing the entire time. It must have been a Halloween party. I mean, it was fantastic all the way around. How about you? How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. I had family in from uh, all over the place, actually all over the world uh, this weekend. So that was fun. I got to see... Uh, uh, my uh, 20-month-old niece for the first time. That's she awesome. came to the country for the first time. So uh, it was a big family powwow this weekend, so that was all good and fun. Uh, we had some news to break over the weekend that we're going to cover here today. You know, we got a SCOTUS appointee, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. We kind of thought that she was going to be the nominee, and she was. Um, and then some things we didn't really plan on for the show that happened in the last uh, 24 hours, maybe-ish. We had the uh, president's tax returns from the New York Times released, and uh, then Project Veritas actually released some ballot harvesting uh, operation going on in uh, Minneapolis. So um, we may touch on those a little bit. I don't really have much detail because the kind of the information is just coming uh come to there anything you want to talk to on either one of those things oh we'll get to those i mean we got to at least touch on them like you said it's it's early yeah. uh but it's it's it, interesting it seems important it seems newsworthy that yeah. maybe this is something we'd want to discuss or other news organizations would want to discuss yeah so let's start with sports or well if Absolutely. you will um we now have our uh let's start with the nba and we now have our nba finals matchup uh heat lakers who you got I mean, I still like the Heat. I think it's just a better all-around team. How about they're, you? They're, they're, that's my team. I, I've been ever since they beat the Bucks. I've been kind of on. All right, Jimmy well Buckets, then let me shift, and, and I'm going to say go. the Lakers just so we can oh, have better, okay. better content here. Uh, LeBron James is the man. Well, they help. They'll have the two best players on the court at all times, without question. With, with, with AD and, and and LeBron for sure. Um, I think. Jimmy Butler will be the third best player on that team, and he's really good. And maybe the next four or five best players are all Heat guys. So um, it's going to be a superstar, you know, uh, Lakers-driven team versus, again, as you point out, a team uh, that is the Miami Heat. I think that the, the coaching is, is excellent there too as well. Um, you know, I like their point guard play. They have uh, role players who are really good. Um, they have shooters. I mean, they go seven, eight deep. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I, I think the Heat can actually pull this off. They're going to be the underdog, but I actually will be – I don't say rooting for the Heat because I don't really have a team of choice here, but I think right. that they're the team that I think could pull it off here, um, and I'll keep loading up them in my DraftKings lineup. I uh, I don't know exactly why, but I am cheering for the Heat. It's not like I care about either one of these teams or any of the players involved, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I don't. I'm cheering for the Heat because I've always liked the notion, and I guess I, I sort of default to this, of I like the better team. I know that NBA in particular is a very star-driven league, and if you've got LeBron James, you're going to be competitive every year no matter what. But I do like the uh, I like the story of the Miami Heat. A little younger, had to come together in all this, rise up, learn to play, and, and come out to be so much better than anyone expected. The Lakers are who we thought they were. That's yeah. it. There's, there's change. That's who and, they are. Yeah, the, the, the Heat kind of rebuilt on the fly really quickly. I mean, they right. had some crazy salary problems um even with our local boy Dion Waiters somehow they got rid of him to the Lakers so they get to kind of like uh, maybe this is the Dion Waiters bowl see here I, we go we found the edge <laughs> all right so God. this will be fun um I actually don't even know when game one starts but uh I know that the Heat just uh sealed the deal last night with their win over the Celtics and, and a comfortable uh, win at that too. Uh, yeah you know, they kind of pulled away at the end uh it was close and then I don't know they scored them like 20 to 2 down the stretch or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we got Heat Lakers, NBA Finals, so that'll be fun. Um, we also got Week 3 in the NFL. Your Buffalo Bills are still riding high. Uh, 
trying to make it interesting for you, right? But you said this last week. Did you feel that the comeback was still in the cards this week? Uh, oddly enough, yes, up until I, the first one at third and 22 on the final draft on the final drive, I actually was like, they're going to figure out a way to get this. The second one I was less confident on. And then the fourth and goal from the nine, I was, uh, uh or fourth and nine from the, wherever it was, uh, I wasn't as confident on that. They got the uh, the defensive pass interference call, though. Uh, I actually didn't disagree with the call. I thought maybe illegal contact, but it was it was a penalty. Uh, could they have let it go? Yes, but it definitely was there. And honestly, after the nonsensical interception call where somehow Tyler Croft came down with the ball and the other guy put his hands on it and they ruled that to be a mutual possession interception was, was mind-boggling. So I wasn't having any uh, empathy for the Rams in that situation, not that I would have as yeah. a Bills fan anyway. Sure. But well, I did a little. I did a little. Uh, I'm uh, informal. I didn't consult any NFL experts on this, but sure. I did an informal uh, sports clicks and politics power five for the folks here. So love it. And I have the Bills at number five. Um, they're three and zero. They look legit. Uh, their defense is legit. They have a quarterback. They have skill position players. They look like the real deal. Um, I have them at five only because the other four teams have all those qualities as well. And I'm um, maybe a longer track record. Uh, yes. And I mean, you know, the Chiefs and the Ravens have these two right. young quarterbacks who I just have a notch above Josh Allen at this point. So, um, but let's go They're They're one and two, but I have the Packers at number four. Okay. So a, uh, a rebound year for the Packers. Well, not a rebound year. I, I think they were 13-3 and three last year, but I don't think anybody really thought that they were going. I don't know how they people thought they did it, but. Uh, it was the Aaron, quietest 13-3 and three ever. Aaron Rodgers has had a, a seemingly a very good bounce back year. Uh, even without Devontae Adams, uh, they're still 3-0. and oh. I like the Seahawks. Russell Wilson is having an MVP caliber year. Yeah. Uh, again, they have some young pieces. Uh, we'll see if that defense comes together under Pete Carroll. They are awful. And then we get a Monday night showdown of my one and two guys. So we got uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs tonight on Monday night football. So that'll who's be fun game. Yeah, that's a uh, potential Super Bowl or, or uh, AFC conference uh, preview again. So um, who is number one and who is number two? I have the Chiefs number one. That's fair. I would agree. Um, it's close, though. In large part because I think the Ravens' defense will eventually be significantly better than the Chiefs' defense, and that may level the playing field for me. But I, I just like the skilled position players surrounding Mahomes rather than Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson is ridiculous. I've also, this is going to be sort of an unpopular opinion. I don't think it's. I think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson, and I don't think it's terribly close. No, I well, mean it's an insult to Lamar Jackson. He's fantastic, right? If you're th- if you're in the traditional sense, you're 100 percent right. Like Mahomes is the guy you can you can build an offense around. Lamar Jackson is just the most talented athlete on the field at any given time and can win the game by himself. Like he can just run 90 yards and no one can catch him. So, um, you know, I I've equated him this without the. Uh, uh, the dog baggage. I've, he's he's a better Michael Vick. Like he, legitimately, he's just as fast. He's he's a just a good a thrower. And Mike Vick was a really good passer. And Lamar Jackson is, has a great arm, and he's still learning how to be that uh, uh, pocket passer. Yeah, because he has never needed to be. Um, but I think he his ceiling is higher than Patrick Mahomes only because of the rushing ability. Uh, not that Mahomes is a stiff back there, any means, but no, he's got um, the mobility. Jackson it, is just a freak, freak athlete. I think that Lamar Jackson has the arm, no question. My distinction comes in of Patrick Mahomes is a much more accurate passer oh, of the football, sure. I, and it's not. Listen, I know Lamar Jackson has some passes he hits very well, some passes he really doesn't. Yeah, throw. it's not. Mahomes has a better arm. I, I'm just saying that it's not that Jackson doesn't have an arm. Oh, absolutely, he does. I, and I don't mean this to be. I'm not trying to t- say Lamar Jackson is not good. He's fantastic. I've never seen anything quite like what I'm seeing in Patrick Mahomes right yeah. now. Yeah, never. He's, it's he's, unbelievable. He's uh, to me, he's like a the next level Brett Favre. Like he really can make every throw from anywhere. Um, he's more mobile, but but was willing to run. But he's usually willing to move to throw. He's 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 a really. I mean, he's you know these guys are both potential Hall of Fame guys. So he's throwing no look passes. Yeah, well, like I mean, that seems the thing. Right? Rogers was doing on. that yesterday too. He's been doing that for a while, Aaron Rodgers too, but. 
It's just so, silly. I'm it's, just saying. it's silly to but, watch, and I, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a great yeah, game. Yeah, no, this, I, mean, I think the season's off to a good start. Um, you know, no craziness with, with, with the virus. Um, you know, it's still crazy. Some stadiums have fans, some don't. And like when you watch the red zone, you're like, oh, there's, wait, is this real crowd noise or is this fake crowd noise? What's going on here? But yeah. um, hopefully that starts to, you know, as the season gets over, right. gets, gets underway here, and more and more, you know, yeah. Lack of, of, of problems. It seems like that may relax some of those rules. Um, I would but, hope so. But but in general, there's uh, you know there's we, we didn't mention the Steelers and the Titans. They're both undefeated. There may be more. But there's I'm intrigued by the NFL season. There seems to be a lot of really good teams um, led by a lot of really good quarterbacks, which is always nice because those kind of like kind of feed the, the the frenzy for your team. If you have one, you know you can always kind of. Say my guy's the best guy. Um, Josh like Allen's going to put like me you into guys an early do grave. in Buffalo. Josh Allen's going to put me into an early grave watching <laughs> him play because he goes into some of the worst decision making I have ever seen in my entire life. Of you're just like screaming at the TV, stop running backwards, just please stop running backwards. Every sack seems to be for 15 yards, and then he steps up on the next play. Brilliant footwork in the pocket, maneuvers around the pressure, slings a ball sidearm on a dime 25 yards downfield to a guy streaking across the middle. And you're like, what is this guy? Yeah. I can't figure him out. Yeah, no, but just embrace it. It's incredible talent. His decision-making has gotten a lot better. His accuracy has improved substantially. Uh, he's got a lot more room to grow, and if he can continue to do what he's done, I think that uh, big things are in store for Buffalo. If we look at the other New York teams that we've got going on at the moment, I think the Giants were exactly as affected as we expected them to be by the loss of Saquon Giants are on the clock. Yeah, they're terrible. It's, uh, I mean, that was un- unbelievably bad. And the Jets are just an absolute dumpster fire, and I feel so bad for Sam Darnold. Uh, this kid's got so much talent. He's got all this stuff, and the Jets respond by having Adam Gase as the head coach, going out, discount shopping every offensive lineman, but somehow still not getting depth. And anytime they get a wide receiver with any talent, they either let him go or he seems to get injured. They so, got to they got to play each other this year, right? Who the Jets and the Giants? I believe so. Yeah, that'll be a good game. Oh my God! I, at least <laughs> one of them's going to win. But my God, Why? there was a tie this week. Uh, the Bengals and the me. Eagles. That's amazing. Twenty three, twenty three. They played to a kissing your sister. So, How bad is the the Eagles fall from grace this year? Yeah, the Eagles do not look good. Um, they were expected to be a like a very good playoff. Yeah, they team. have not Everybody looked had good. High expectations. In week one, they did not look good. In week two, they did not good. They they have not looked good. No. Um, and, the other one we have to talk about this, and I can't believe we almost skipped right over it. The Atlanta Falcons. They oh, my to, God. They know how to lose a game. In the most – I thought being a Bills fan was heartbreaking. My God, they well, have actually found I mean, a way. Yeah, well, I mean, you remember the Super Bowl, right? Of course, 28-3. They've, they've, they've just mastered that now. So, like, they just know how to just flip that switch and turn on the L. Like every other Bills fan watching the game this weekend, I was reminded vividly of the 28-3 to score because that was what the Bills were up when they decided to stop playing defense and simultaneously stop playing offense, uh, which was tons of fun. Um, well, like I said, it's yeah, the Falcons have fi- figured out fun ways to lose games. Um, they're so, going to win games, though. I mean, I know Julio Jones. I don't think he played this week. Uh, they, have, they have some talent on that team, so but they seem to underachieve a lot. Their defense is not good. The coaching no. decisions are mine are questionable, let's put it that way. Fun fact on the Philadelphia Eagles though. Carson Wentz when he does not play either the Washington football team or the Giants. The footballs, I like to call them. The Washington footballs or the Giants has a career record of 7-15 and 1. You hear that Eagles fan 7-15 and 1 from your boy Carson Wentz. Where's Nick Folk these days? Nick oh, Folk he's winning Chicago. games. Yeah, he's he's playing in Chicago, throwing touchdown passes. I mean, Beat, I, beating the Falcons. It it's whoops. It seems like a maybe maybe Carson Wentz might be a little overhyped. I don't know. I, maybe he really is amazingly talented, but it's, it's not working. Maybe it's the. I mean, I said it could be. I it always could be the player for sure. It could always be that the system, the coach, the surrounding talent. I mean, there's there's so many things that kind of dictate how a player uh, does good and does bad. But um, when you're the quarterback, you have the ball in your hand the most of the time, and you have guys like Aaron Rodgers who have won in spite of their coach. Um, it, it can happen. Um, but so it's I, I think the jury's still out on Carson Wentz, but he is uh, 
precariously uh, close to a fall from grace here in, I believe, Philly land. So uh, that'll be fun. When you're tying the Cincinnati Bengals, that was a home game too, wasn't it? Or am I crazy? I mean, does it really matter? That's fair. You're tying the Cincinnati Bengals with their... The Bungles. I mean, a historically bad team that now has a rookie, very talented rookie, but a rookie quarterback. No, you win that game. In a pandemic. You win that game home on the road, pandemic, non-pandemic. You win that game if you're a playoff team, if you're the Eagles. You win that game. You take five full quarters to not be able to outscore that team. Yeah. That's... how serious am I supposed to take you? Honestly, I, I got nothing, but I don't know how serious. I'm not taking you very seriously at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be proven wrong in the course of the season, but you're you're not a real contender. Yeah, no. Sorry. No. And they're not in the power five. That's weird. Maybe I should come up with a not bottom five. five. I don't know. Oh, listen, I'm in. I, mean, it's I will do check. a bottom okay, five. Okay, that'll be you for next week. Oh, God. it's gonna, I mean, that talk about keeping it local. We'll have some teams <laughs> involved in that from this state every single week. And so... Let's switch from sports uh, over to, I don't know if it's clicks or politics or something, but we have a uh, Supreme Court nominee or appointee, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Again, somebody who we thought was uh, on the short list and maybe the only one on the list um, was the appointee. It seems as though this is a pretty much foregone conclusion. I'm sure there'll be some uh, ranting and raving in the in the national headlines for a little bit, but there's really nothing that can stop this from happening, and she's going to be the, the next justice. I mean, it, there's nothing you can do other than political posturing and try to score some cheap political points, but it, the reality is this is the way our Constitution functions. The president nominates, the Senate gives its advice and consent. When both of those bodies are held by one party, it happens. And it's not unprecedented. It's not that it's never happened before in the history of our country. It has. It's happened. I promise. If you have, if you've been following this for longer than four years, you're aware that this stuff has happened before. And listen, am I telling you that the Republicans are not being hypocrites in this? No, of course not. They're absolutely being hypocrites. It's just the idea that that's new to politics is laughable to me. I I can't I can't get any outrage over it because honestly, look, if you're telling me the Democrats are in the same exact situation, having said the exact same things three and a half years ago. What are they doing it's, right it's now? It's playing out exactly the same way. Exactly. No, there's no difference between these two parties. They're just, they are who they are. They are awful. They are unethical, and they have a monopoly of all political power in this, and they know that, and they keep fixing the game so that new parties can't get in to make sure that we all are limited to these two parties that really don't represent the vast majority of people. No, no Most people don't fit into either 100% Republican or 100% Democrat. No. But they have set this up in a way, and they control so much of the narrative, the media, and even the rules for establishing third parties that there's no other option. So this is what you've got until we figure out how to work around it. Um, I'm not surprised. I think that she actually is a great nominee. And I think one of the saddest things that has happened in the history of our country is that – I shouldn't say that because there's been a lot of really tragedies. From a procedural standpoint, one of the saddest things that has happened to our country is how politicized the Supreme Court has become. And it didn't start here. It didn't start in 2016 or 2012. It's been going on for 60 years that it's been continuing down this path. And I do think that's a shame. I, I really do. I think that's what's a tragedy about it all. Yeah, it's definitely become a political football. And then to your point about the two parties, this is basically the nuclear football, right? This is how all senators specifically will be measured by their Supreme Court vote and all other policies be damned because nobody cares as long as you're voting for the right Supreme Court justice, which is, again, the fact that the the court has just become so political. So um, I don't think this is a needle mover one way or another. No, like I said, I think most people thought this. And I said, even listen to some some of the uh, the senators, the Democrat senators, like they know that there's nothing they can do. You right. know, they might delay it for a little bit, or you know, gum up to works, if you will, for a little bit. But like, there's nothing they can do to stop this from happening. It's going to happen. Um, it's better that they, in my opinion, move about in a respectful manner, right? Like you you crit- critique where you need to critique, question where you need to question, but. The personal attacks and some of these things that you know are going to try to show up in these headlines are going to be counterproductive at best. So. I mean, I'm seeing things already about how she's racist for adopting two yeah, Haitian yeah. kids and then raising them in a white family, right? R- right, Republican conservative family. And I, I, I'm reading this, going, have, "Have we lost our minds?" Right, right. That to be, that, I mean, that should be no part of the the confirmation process. So no, it's just going to be part of the headline process, which again is just an extension of the political arms that that we currently exist in. 
and this is the thing. If you, if this is something that deeply upsets you, all right, to the point that you're like, you know what, I can't stand for this and I can't stand the hypocrisy and yada, 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 and I'm going to go vote. Were you not already going to vote? I mean, honestly, you like if this is something that's on your radar as a big needle mover and a big difference maker, you were already going to vote and you already knew which way you were going to vote anyway. For sure. This didn't sway anybody away from Donald Trump. And I think the more troubling, eh, not more troubling, the more relevant is that it doesn't motivate non-voters to vote for the most part. Traditionally, maybe this time is different, but if you look at the data from elections past, this isn't a big needle mover. It's just it's not going to get people up in arms because I think most people at least on some level, understand this is the game. This is how it's been played for years. And on this particular day, uh, Chuck Schumer got outmaneuvered by Mitch McConnell. Seems to happen a lot. I don't don't, uh, have a strong opinion either way. Do you have any strong opinion on the discussion of limiting to the SCOTUS appointees to 18-year terms? Uh, I don't particularly care. Um, I mean, it seems like that's, you know, if you're going to get a second term... I mean, you know, 18 years is, is, is a long time. Like I said, I don't have a strong opinion either way, but I, I know that's been discussed here of putting a term limit uh, on, on the SCOTUS appointees. I would much rather have term limits on senators and House of Representatives members before we get to Supreme Court justices. And look, my, my opinion on Supreme Court jurisprudence, if you will, is the problem that we have now hit, and, and you and I have talked about this at length, of my biggest complaint about our government right now is the legislator, the legislature doesn't legislate. No. We don't make laws. We don't change laws. We don't update laws. We don't do anything. They don't do anything. They have given all of the authority to do this, either to the executive branch or to the judiciary, where uh, the Title IX case recently was a great example of they phrased the question as, should homosexuals and people of uh, transgenders be protected from employment discrimination under the Civil Rights Act of 1968? Forgive me if I might have the year wrong. 64, I think. And so I was looked at that as you're asking the wrong question from the legal standpoint the question is does the civil rights act of 1964 as written apply to people discriminated against on the basis of their sexual orientation or gender identity and i think any reasonable person would look at that and go well no of course not in 1964 the the concern for the protection of the rights of homosexuals was not high on anybody's list and nobody knew what the term gender identity meant it wasn't a thing so I'm not telling you I think that you should be allowed to discriminate against these people that fall into this category, but this is why we have a legislature update the damn law to update it for today's standards, and that way it's duly elected representatives changing the law, updating the law, and making it more current with today. Once you start saying the way to do that is through a textual thing of should it apply today based on our current definitions and understandings, we're just not letting anybody change. We're not following the process. We are just continuing to kick this can anywhere but the legislature, and then they get to claim righteous indignation about how could this happen? We need your money to fight this, and we need your support to make sure this never happens again. And then they go right back in and do nothing. This is maddening. Yeah, no. They have, you know, they're they're delinquent in their duties for sure. And that's going on right now at the state level here for us as well. Um, But it's definitely surely happening uh, at the federal level. you know, I don't know if you can just vote harder to make that that work out for everybody, but um, <laughs> we're we're clearly in a in a situation where uh, there, there's the the way it was set up to work is is not the way it's actually proceeding to work. So right, um, and I think it was short sighted because I think honestly, if we could have gotten to the point of people who talk about uh, a living constitution that changes, there are provisions in the constitution for how to change it. It's meant to be updated. The fact that we haven't written new stuff is insanity. So instead of doing this, if you, if you just applied the rules as they were written and just said, all right, the Supreme court reads this rule and says, no, this doesn't apply to equal rights for women. Every, I shouldn't say every, because you're never going to get everybody on board with anything, but the vast majority of Americans are going to go, well, that's not right, and we should update this rule to make sure it applies to women. Great, let's do it, and now let's update the, the law, the Constitution, whatever it is, and keep doing that as you go, and now updating or changing the Constitution is not some massive undertaking that never happens. It's normal. Yeah, it's this what is, we do. This is where I like to inject my... I wish all laws had an expiration date because I mean, then we could just figure out how to, you know, 
get out of them? <laughs> they would all, we would get out of all of them and we'd be able to, 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 you know, reenact the ones that we thought were working well. So, right. Um, so in, in response, by the way, cause I got a great segue now okay. that you just said that of, I don't know if you can just vote harder. I don't know if you can vote harder, but in some areas, apparently you can vote more than once. You can, you can, uh, if, uh, you're a harvester of ballots, um, I would, I, I don't have this pulled up here, so I don't have any way of sharing any information, but I would we'll encourage you guys right. to, uh, check out the, the new release from uh, project Veritas today. Um, it's, uh, if you look them up on Twitter, they're hashtag ballot harvesting. Uh, it's basically a, uh, in general, and I, I was just watching this before the show came on, sir. So it's a setup where they have basically community organizers, if you will, uh, organizing, telling people that, Hey, we're going to bring by, uh, we're going to get ballots for you and we're going to fill them out for you and sign them and deliver them for you. And you don't have to do anything. And all you got to do is, you know, I, I say, say yes or no, either way we're going to do it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems as though this was happening in Minneapolis, um, for Congress and Omar's district, I believe. And she was named, she was named, uh, in the uh, investigation there. So did you get to see any of it? Uh, today I, watched, at all? I didn't see the whole thing yet. Yeah, I was watching it just as uh, we came on the air here, but it's, uh, it's, I don't know the right word for this. Unsurprising. I'm going to go with that. I like, I I'm so jaded at this point that I laugh at this stuff. Like this is an absolute travesty to democracy. And all I can do is kind of go, yeah, figure saw this coming. Right. Like, well, who didn't see this coming when you yeah. sent this out and, and you knew this was exactly what was going to happen? Yeah. And so apparently somebody from the, uh, I don't know if it was the one of the county sheriff's department, um, basically is, you know, tur- turned whistleblower and uh, kind of came out and gave all this information to Project Veritas. So check that out um, and see how many, if you're, uh, See how many times uh, you can get your uh, ballot cast uh, if you live in Minneapolis. Yeah, they're going around, and basically, it's if you want to believe the people, some it's people who work for Ilan Omar are going around and they're getting paid per ballot. They go around to all of these apartment complexes, predominantly filled with immigrants, and they get the ballots that were mailed out to them. So they collect all of the ballots, bring them in, fill them out the way that this party wants them or this person wants them to be signs them, and then upon signing them, they get paid for each individual ballot. I don't know how widespread this is. I don't know if you're talking about a 1,000 ballots or if this could be talking 20,000 ballots. Either way, it seems kind of wrong. Well, you got to remember, those ballots are going to have some local elections on there, and some right. of those things are going to be decided by less than 100 votes. So if right. you're talking about a 1,000 ballots, elections can be swung with that. and Especially you know, on a local level right. where you're talking about the policy that actually matters to the right. people living right. in that community right. far more than national politics ever does are going to be irrevocably swayed by this type of maneuvering. And if... I guess here's the litmus test. If you're okay with the other party doing it, would you be okay with it in yours and vice versa? If this would outrage you if the other party did it, shouldn't you be kind of outraged right now? Yeah. I'm, I I don't have outrage in me anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, like politics. I said, I'm scarred too far by the process to be, again, unsurprised by this, I guess. But Jaded. Um, to say the least. Um, and then let's touch on um, the president's tax returns, New York Times, um released uh what they i think like 10 years of tax returns i think i saw um so it turns out that donald trump had some bankruptcies shocking he is a rich person who figured out how to pay little in taxes you stop this this does not happen in real life um i'm i didn't see any russian oligarch deposits into mr trump's the president trump's bank account so i don't know if this is the there's no way to russian gate can we no 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 that's it I saw that news. at least that can't be true. I know full well. Adam Schiff told me there is evidence. They have actual well, it's not on the tax returns because I'm guarantee New York Times would have led with that. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to go with. Then obviously we need to add tax evasion to the list because whatever money he's getting Avoidance. from the Russian oligarchs, he's not doing it. Yeah, right. So, so no, I don't that's know. So uh, yeah, so it's not shocking to me that, you know, a rich real estate developer in New York City figured out a way to avoid paying his fair share of taxes, if you will. So um, does this move the needle for you? It doesn't for me. I don't care. I'm not sure it moves the needle for many other people, again, who are already deciding who to vote for. I'm not sure the, the mushy middle has this 
sways them one way or the other. Um, it's not good. I mean, it, it shows that, you know, the system is set up to benefit the people who have the, the most money at the expense of the people who don't. So um, this should be less of an indictment on the president per se and more of an indictment on the system in a whole. Right. And I mean, listen, in 2016, he said he was accused by Hillary Clinton in a debate of not paying any federal income taxes. And his response was, that's because I'm smart. <laughs> like, this isn't a secret that this guy doesn't pay a lot in taxes. I think most people are so incredibly ignorant when it comes to how taxes actually work in our country that you're trying to sway this in a certain way. But if you actually start looking into this, none of this is surprising, all right? So first off, he paid $750 in federal taxes both in 2016 and 2017. $750 still puts him in the top 50% of income tax payers in the country, all right? That's how half the country pays less than that in federal income tax because we have a progressive tax structure that is designed to tax people more as they get more money. If you've ever taken a gander at the Internal Revenue Code, none of this is surprising because here's the reality of people that own real estate. They don't pay a whole lot in taxes. None of them. That's why people own real estate. It's one of the major reasons why people own, own real estate in general is because of the tax benefits that you get from it. So you're going to tell me, like, and the same reason that people, uh, why does everybody on Wall Street always tell you that uh, they don't care if we raise income taxes? Because... Oh. Because they don't make their money on wages. Oh, right, yeah. No. They make their money on long-term right. capital, gains capital gains and investment income, which has a lot more flexibility and leeway, but most people don't grasp that. So you're talking about, uh, all right, so we had paid $72 million, and then he got a $72 million tax credit back under some provision of depreciation, carry up, and a bunch of other CPA nonsense that we like to talk about. None of this is shocking. If this is surprising to you, here's my overarching stance, and it's very similar to yours. If you're upset that a man can somehow avoid, let's call it $70 million in owed taxes to the country, legally, maybe your objection or your complaint shouldn't be at the guy who did it. Maybe it should be at the idiots who wrote this stupid of a rule that allows this to happen. Because that's what I'm more perturbed yeah. by than anything else. Yeah, and like I said, I'm, you know, I, I'm a abolish the IRS, abolish the income tax guy, so I don't think any of this stuff is you know, should be part of part, part of what we're doing. So um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not surprised by it. I'm not, it doesn't change anything about me. I don't think it changes much about the election. Maybe it gets mentioned in the debate this week, right? This week is the debate. Of course it'll be because it's a good um, talking point. So I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to watch the debate yet or not. Maybe I, like I will I for the show to. purposes. I really don't want to. Maybe I will for that. Maybe we should, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll live tweet the show for all the fans. Oh, there you go. That's I'll not live a tweet the debate. Idea. Anyway, so I, I also want to say this. If you think that this money that Donald Trump was supposed to pay in taxes over those last two years had any impact on any national spending, national debt or national deficit, you you're really not following the numbers at all. That wouldn't even have been a blip on the radar, whether he paid all 80 million in taxes or he paid seven hundred fifty dollars. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. All right. So. We'll follow those stories if something additional breaks on the uh, ballot harvesting or the uh, Trump tax uh, fronts. We'll keep you updated on something new if anything becomes new. Um, let's shift more local. Um, you sent me an article and I read through it today that kind of sheds light on some of the financial problems that the state is going to uh, be dealing with over the next couple of years. Uh, upwards of a $59 billion budget shortfall is being predicted um, through varying things. This would include uh, funding for uh, the Port Authority and the MTA in this $59 billion, uh, on top of a $30 billion tax revenue shortfall. Um, Mr. Hughesong, what sayeth you about the New York State budget, and uh, how do we fix it? So we're in a lot of trouble. I, I don't have a better way of putting it. I don't have a better way of phrasing it. Um, we are in a ton of trouble and what we need to stop alleging or, or holding on to this outdated hope of, it was not COVID-19 that put us in this budget problem. Number one, we were already heading to a budget problem well before COVID-19 ever hit. And number two, it was our response to COVID-19 that did this. Because if you look around the country and the world, not every state is in the predicament we're in. In fact, none of them are. None of them did to the extent of what we did here. It's unbelievable how much we shot ourselves in the foot in the name of safety. 
And also, now that we have the data back that says lockdowns basically had no impact on virus spread whatsoever, this is an unjustifiable result. So you had the COVID-19 come in. Everybody had the initial reaction was, oh, my God, we don't know what this is. Then as more data became available saying like, well, wait a minute, that it doesn't look like it really hits young people as badly. And then inevitably somebody would point out some one-off scenario of a 24-year-old who died of COVID and you'd go, oh, well, maybe it is. And then more data came out that said, no, it's not. Like on a, on a large scale, this just doesn't hit people of a younger demographic. This is old and sick people that's really taking the brunt of this. And then they looked at the hospitals in New York. And now look, some of these deaths in the hospitals in New York are simply attributed to we didn't know how to treat it at the time, and we do now. We were putting people on ventilators. Uh, we were putting them on all kinds of things that we shouldn't have been doing. You and I have discussed the hydroxychloroquine thing and, and the fact that that wasn't even listed as an option, even though there were some indications of positive results. So it was mismanagement. We shut down the entire co- uh, economy in New York State, even after the federal government came in and said, hey, we can't keep doing this. We've got to lighten up the restrictions. And then our state governor, who was, that's the right word here, determined to show how good he was, couldn't look at it and say, well, we got to change this now. We've got to change strategies. It was, we have to double down and we need more restrictions and we can't let gyms open and we can't have people doing this. We can't let restaurants run at 50% or 100% capacity. That's insane. So we keep making worse decisions, and now here we are, $60 billion short. Hey, Sean. I don't what, have it in my couch. What are we cutting from the budget? Uh, they're going to cut nothing from the budget. Uh, they just announced it, though, for the next two years. What was cut? Oh, it's nothing. They didn't cut one thing. No. Apparently, that's not it. Now they're talking, maybe, maybe, about reducing the aid to some of the SUNY schools and maybe not giving raises to state employees. That's their answer so far. I'm sure there's $59 billion in there. Obviously. And no problem. There's no issue. It's not like the, the biggest expenses that the state faces are, number one, Medicaid, and number two, education aid. So those are popular things to cut. That'll, that won't be any problem at all. Now, here's the larger problem. There's no way to make up for this. Not in the real world. You can talk and, and listen, read the article. It goes into some of these ideas that people have on it. The first one is... Well, we got to raise taxes on the rich. I got bad news for you. The rich are already leaving. And they're not coming back, not in nearly the numbers that they once were. So, okay. They were, they were leaving before this. And Correct. this just accelerated it. So if you want to go back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a minute to backtrack here. 2018, the, the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act becomes law under President Trump, uh, updating the tax code. All right, so making some changes to it to make it a little less complicated for the vast majority of filers, increasing standard deductions, changing the corporate tax rate, etc. One provision of that that had a detrimental effect on New York State was they capped how much you were able to deduct from your state and local taxes on your federal return. So you could say like that's unfair to New York, Connecticut, California, but the other argument is, well, how fair is it that you're able to whatever New York State can charge you whatever they want in taxes and the federal government just has has to subsidize it? It's never as simple as we want it to be. So basically Donald Trump, which I'm going to call the greatest troll job in recent American politics, found a way to say, okay, you can $10,000 in state and local taxes, you can still deduct on federal. Anything above that, you can no longer deduct. So there's really, if you're of middle class, upper middle class, or even lower tier wealthy, there's really only about three states where you're going to hit those levels. New York, California, Connecticut. That's it. So knowing those three states are there in New York state, if you're a very wealthy person and now you can only deduct $10,000, you're looking at paying a whole hell of a lot of money in taxes. So people started getting out. Now more people are getting out. New Jersey keeps raising their taxes on millionaires, and millionaires keep leaving. It's the weirdest thing. So even if you got this tax through, it wouldn't be enough to even put a drop in the bucket, but you're never going to get it. Even if you get it through and nobody left, it wouldn't raise enough money to make up for the shortfall. So you're saying like when they put a tax on cigarettes as like a deterrent, and then when they put a tax on millionaires... They're deterring millionaires? I know. It seems almost like it's too much common sense for government, but... It's a pretty simple thing. If you want less of something, tax it. If you want more of something, subsidize it. Yeah. It's the basic rules that we follow here. And 
all right, so tax the millionaires, great. It's not going to work. And now there was a, the article touched on it, like, well, after 2001 was September 11th, and then after 2008, the state came to the rich people and said, hey, this is a crisis. We really need your help. And the millionaires were like, all right, fine. We won't leave. Great, whatever. Number one, both of those were pre this new tax law. Number two, the ones that went into effect after 2008, the temporary tax increases on millionaires, when did those expire? Uh... I'm still waiting. I think. All right, they didn't. They, oh. they they put that out and decided that they were not going to put the end date on them as originally enforced. So not that the millionaires wouldn't trust Governor Cuomo, because if there's ever been a stand-up guy, it's our current governor. So He's he, very transparent. Obviously, not hiding anything, really just cards on a table. But he is calling all these rich people and begging them not to leave. There's a reason, folks. It's not Maybe he should give he them a free the poster. I mean, and the book. Signed book, personalized inscription, along with the poster. I mean, maybe just the poster. All right, fine. So anyways, that's one idea. The other idea is you're going to tax people that keep a second residence in New York State. Apparently above and beyond what they pay in property and school taxes already, I, I guess. I, I'm not sure why you think that will work and why people won't either A, sell their house, or B, downsize. Yeah, nothing's going to work. It's not. They're, they're going to try to fill it through traditional means and they're going to come up short here's a general rule of thumb if you find yourself 60 billion dollars short of revenue you can't fix it without stopping or slowing your spending it's not possible impossible and you want a federal bailout here's the issue with a federal bailout it's not like we were doing really well before this pandemic hit i mean we were 10 days into this pandemic when andrew cuomo said the state has no money and some of us went i'm sorry none that no nope. day fund no money like the the highest or second highest tax state in the entire nation and we have no money 10 days in wow seems borderline irresponsible so anyways let's keep going down this path all right so that's not going to work they're talking about a sales tax on stocks that's not widely popular because it's the most obvious result as if you're going to charge the people that buy and sell stocks at a high level that would actually be very highly impacted by this what are they going to do, Sean? Um, I'm guessing that they're going to move. I mean, God, you're smart. Wow. It's incredible. I'm a bartender, though. It's incredible how, how smart you are. Of course they're going to move because it's not that hard to do. So you get out. You go somewhere else, and you have your business set up there, and you avoid the tax. Rocket science, I know, and now you're gone. I think I missed my calling. I, I should have been a business consultant. I mean, obviously. It's not too late. All right? There's still time. Uh so that's another idea. Now, you, you keep floating all of these ideas on wealth tax and millionaires and billionaires and, and paying all of these things. And they all sound so good in theory until you think about practical application of if I'm a billionaire and you're going to tax me at this level, I can't write anything off. My entire city is decimated between what's going on with the COVID response. Everybody's moved out. Most people are working. I shouldn't say most. More people are working remotely than ever before. And now we have the threat of if police departments don't update all of their things, all of their procedures, they're going to be defunded in this state. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but again, imagine you're one of the billionaires. What are you going to do? How long are you staying here? I'm guessing they have the resources to step over a border. So I mean, generally speaking, and, yes. Uh, call U-Haul. So right. So here's the listen. If do, you, do you th I've I've awarded uh, Governor Cuomo the U-Haul Employee of the Month the last couple couple years. Um, He's probably going to get a gold star this year. If they I don't mean, give that man a raise, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's just be let's just be honest about it. It's it's unbelievable that you can see all this coming. And now here's the really scary part: our population is aging at an unprecedented rate. As more baby boomers hit the age of seventy five and above now, so Medicaid spending is only going to increase. It's not going to go down. And in about four years, it's going to hit a cliff because the average age that a person goes into a nursing home is right around seventy eight. Oldest baby boomers right now are 74. All right, they were born in 1946. That's the earliest baby boomers. You're going to see an avalanche of Medicaid spending coming that nobody seems to be accounting for yet. Like, we're predicting that it's going to keep increasing by 5% a year, and it's not. It's going to increase by 10 at a minimum when this happens, and it's just going to keep going. So when that happens, here's the problem. You don't have enough money coming in right now, even if everything else went right, to pay for it. Number two, because now you shut down the entire economy in a way that is completely irreversible to ever get, getting it back to where it once was, you're never going to return to the same levels of state tax revenue. 
New York City is clearing out. It'll take you 15 years to get back to anywhere near the occupancy that you once were from commercial buildings inside of New York City. So that is now more tax revenue gone. And then more sales tax gone because now the ancillary businesses that used to surround Wall Street and the banks is gone. So it's And now if the rich people leave, the top 1% of income earners pay 40% of the income tax revenue in New York State. So if you lose half of them, you're getting decimated on all of your tax revenues. Please explain something to me. How is the state going to continue to pay pensions? How are they going to continue to pay benefits, raises, salaries, all of this stuff that every public sector employee gets in addition to the increase in Medicaid spending, all of the aid to education and schools? How do you do it when you're going to lose revenue every single year for the next 20 years? Um, they can't print it like the federal government. So and the government, the federal government doesn't have the money to bail them out. Yeah, no, no. Listen, if the federal government ever does bail out municipalities, it's going to be printed out of thin air because they don't have the money either. Like it's, it's all being just again, printed, right. And <laughs> manufactured out, out of, out of nothing. Listen, this problem is not limited to New York state. This is no. a federal problem too, because we already just added $4 trillion to the debt in the span of a month. Yeah. Okay. Now there's going to be another round of coronavirus relief. And my guess is you are going to see a state and municipal bailout of some type. It's going to cost another three to $4 trillion to do all of these things. We're not that far away from the government's not going to be able to have enough tax revenue to even pay the interest on the debt anymore. Like these things are very real problems that nobody is discussing and nobody is talking about or nobody's taking seriously. Listen, they were a problem even before this and that they did, you know, they've just been accelerated and, you know, people should be looking at them much more closely than they are now. We're throwing gas on the fire at this point in hopes of putting it out or or like, all right, well, we'll worry about these consequences later because right now we've really got to I think there's some idea that... You know, not that Cuomo's trying to make it as bad, but he's going to to sell his case to the federal government. He's got to present a catastrophic case. So, absolutely true. Um, it's sad, but it's absolutely true he is doing that because right. the, the more that you can tug on the heartstrings, you want to make it politically popular. I don't think there's anybody cheering harder for Joe Biden than Andrew Cuomo is. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody. Um, and here's my overarching opinion on it it doesn't matter which party stays in office it doesn't matter who wins the election all of this is going to happen it's coming because no neither party is very big on stopping spending at this point they just keep adding to it and people are just going well no it'll be fine i'm sure these people know listen and the party again like you said it'll happen and whoever party gets to decide it will use it as the champion of their causes and pat themselves on the back for it yeah. at the expense of the taxpayer, right. which and, happens regardless. And if you have ch- such faith in these people, how in the world did the dot-com bubble ever burst? Because these are really smart people that know how to value companies. How did the 2008 financial crisis ever happen? I mean, it was so painfully obvious to anybody that knew what they were talking about at that time. I did not at the time. I was very young, so forgive me. But if you're looking back at it in hindsight of – the regulators missed it. The rating agencies missed it. The investors missed it. The companies missed it. The banks missed it. All right. To, to believe that these people are so smart that they would never let something like this happen is just a, an ignorance of even the most recent, let alone prolonged history that you could ever take of our government and our regulators and our business leaders. They don't think like this and they're not going to do it. They're going to keep going down this path and they're basically imposters in here. They're not as smart as you think they are. They're not as benevolent as you think they are. And they're not as long-sighted as you think they are. None of these things are true. We all want them to be true, but they're not. No. no I mean, I've, you know, I've given up on everybody. So Except me. Uh, you're not part of the system, thankfully, yet. So um, <laughs> let's, let's finish up on what I guess is going to be deemed as um, a tease because I've been waiting since September 3rd for this, but... Um, We've been waiting so long to hear you talk about Epstein. Here we go. Jeffrey Epstein. So maybe you guys have heard, um, (coughs) excuse me, there's a, an additional or the U S Virgin Islands, let's talk there. So the, the prosecutor who's, uh, excuse me, who's um, looking for information on Epstein and his uh, pedophile Island there um, has subpoenaed the flight logs for the last 20 years of Epstein's existence, basically. So the, um, the company that he employed to, uh, drive around or fly around his, uh, four helicopters and two jets, um, the flight logs that have been released so far are a small portion of what 
is going to be released. So we're going to get the flight logs supposedly from his main pilot, the pilot who was his pilot for over 20 years, and it's going to be detailed, um, or it supposedly is detailed, and people are panicking, I feel like. So, um, again, this was... I don't know when the, when the subpoena was actually served, but this was filed. That we, we saw this on September 3rd, so it's going to be somewhere around there, uh, maybe a little before, maybe even a little after. Um, but we're going to be pretty close to this 30 days here, so we should be getting maybe a new list of names that we can add to the growing list of uh, names that we are currently have that have been on the Lolita Express to uh, Mr. Epstein's Island. Can we make this into a bingo game? Um, how would you like to do that? I get, let's, let's pick some names. I mean, there's three of them up there that we know. So obviously those would be the easy ones. Free squares. But if we get like 24 people that we expect to be on there and we can have some disagreement on it and then just sporadically put them on a bingo board, the people at home can play. You're welcome. And see when they announce this, how many people come out and are on this thing. And I shouldn't joke because this is heinous and awful and horrific. Right. And so some of these people probably didn't know what's going on. I'm giving some of them the benefit of the doubt to some degree. I mean, they had to know that he was a creepo, but maybe they didn't know he was, uh, you know, world record creepo, uh, Guinness Book of World Records. So uh, anybody flying after 2008, we can agree, had to at least know. Sure. And these records go back to 1998. I know. So, I know. so we have some plausible deniability before that. That's all I'm saying. All right. I, you're more trusting than me. That's fair. I'm, I'll give it to you. That, that, that Maybe. I'm going to say most, especially if you're a repeat flyer. Yeah, if you're going back, you probably had a good time on the first first trip. I'm just throwing it out there when the island. But I could see him using a couple, a couple events a year just to legitimize having the space by not you know putting the kids in the dungeon. Sure, and God, then what a horrible sentence. I'm sorry, the, that's okay. But cleaning up the act a little bit, I guess, is my point. Yeah, and having a legit of, so it can justify all the other stuff that goes on there. Right. Give him some plausible deniability. So there may have been some events and some attendees of those events who uh, were not completely aware of the depths of his evilness. Depravity. But probably just knew him as a, you know, just the guy who liked young girls kind of thing. But uh, maybe not not knowing how young. Um, but I am, again, just super intrigued by the tentacles that this dude has been able to get his get around here. I mean, he's in the finance world, in the political world, in the science world, in the media world, like he has his name and reach has been everywhere. And many, many of these people in entertainment too, I forgot, um, were on this plane and were on that island and they had to know, the large majority of them had to know what was going on to some degree. And um, the fact that none of them said anything and still have not said anything, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you, uh, real quickly, have you, uh, so the, the new, there's a new uh, Broken podcast that just came out, which is kind of like the season two from the original uh, uh, Broken Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and so this one talks about, it's kind of going into more of the victims and the people surrounding Epstein, not Epstein or Maxwell uh, directly. So um, there's this uh, part of this podcast where, the lifelong chef. So I mean, you know, obviously, if you're a if you're a blackmailing people all over the world, you don't uh, you don't have somebody else make your food for you. You have one person make your food for you because you never know who's going to put whatever in your food. So you yeah. have a private chef if you're Jeffrey Epstein, which he did. Um, and this guy has just started to cooperate with the FBI, um, which I'm not sure is a good thing. Um, we'll see how the FBI handles this. And whole, I feel like. There's still enough uh, question about how they've handled it so far that I should continue to question them. Um, but I feel like that's good news that he has come forward and um, he, he could not have not known. So, right, so he had right. to know um, something and maybe some evidence comes out that, that helps kind of, again, further, further the, the, the closing of this. Um, but I, it, I, this is just... The, the latest version, and I, again, hopefully within the next week or so, we have a list of names who have been on this plane, and we can kind of dissect those names and see if there's any uh, fire where the smoke is. I am... I There's no way... The more you go down this rabbit hole, the more surreal it gets. Because I think if you ask the average person on the street of like, hey, Jeffrey Epstein, they don't know the details, all right? They know that he was bad. They know that he was, uh, like, he molested girls and he had a sex trafficking ring. But 
seriously try to wrap your brain around this for a second, that this guy had multiple underage girls, well under 18, that he would then send out to other wealthy, influential people so regularly that it existed for over 25 years that this was going on for. Think about how many girls that is. Think about how many Thousands. boys that is. Think about Thousands. how many kids that is. I, two months ago in Georgia, the uh, I don't remember the organization, but somebody stopped and, and uncovered a child sex trafficking ring and freed 40 children in one bust. Another one had, I think, 30. I mean, this is a... You can't, your brain almost doesn't want you to accept that this could be real. And yet it is, this is real life. These are people that are still around and in office and in power and in businesses that were on this guy's plane and doing these horrific things. Now, is every person listed on the plane guilty? No, of course not. They're not. But you're telling me that there's not some very large names that knew full well what was going on, taking full advantage of it. And so I'm not even sure that they knew they were participating. Right. So That's there was, what I mean. They took full advantage. They were going out here and doing this, and they got caught on tape doing it. Right. Um, and then, and then you're, you're indebted for life and, you know, that, to anything. Right. And this is the point of, all right, now let's say that's true. Think about how many people have to be involved at that point to keep that quiet. Think about how high that has to go. Think about how many different contacts you need and how many different people right. need to be brought. It almost seemed like you would need senators and uh, Department of Labor secretaries and judges and uh, a bunch of insulation on your way up so that you could kind of keep yourself on the down low, um, which is exactly what he has done. He basically, you know, I wouldn't put it past him to have systematically sought out these people in certain positions, knowing that if I compromise this person at this point, I'm free man because this person will right. never turn on me um, or girl or whoever. Um, and it's not, it's, it wouldn't be surprised on me at all if he, if he purposely sought out people in certain positions to in, ensure his, his could keep operating in secrecy. Um, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's like I said, it's the worst story that has ever been, that I've ever had to deal with, I guess, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, the absolute worst story. And like I said, it's, there's thousands of kids and yeah. I'm guessing hundreds of, of, of criminal actors in this who were not only participating in the actual physical abuse, but were covering it up and knew about it and did nothing about it too. So, um, you know, we, 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 we've, we've touched on a, a small handful of the names who seem to be, uh, major players in this, but there are, there are, there has to be dozens of people who also participated, uh, and helped make, to make this happen. Because like I said, it's impossible to keep it, this something this large, that big of a secret. And like I said, you know, we're, we're just scratching the surface still here. So who knows? Um, here's what I would actually encourage everybody to do. If you don't know anything about this, go down this rabbit hole a little bit. Because if it just just check, do, do, you can go to like there's a Netflix series, there's uh, you know that broken podcast. Th those are all things with with all public information. It's it's not like it's innuendo and speculation. Those are all they have you know quotes and flight logs and and business transactions. I mean, it is it's 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 information that you can easily digest. It's just disturbing information. Right. And don't stop there because ultimately the only way that this continued and this went on for so long is because people couldn't wrap their brain around believing this to be true. Like, look for better, or for worse, Bill Clinton was on this guy's plane multiple times. Now 26, 26 times going in and, and a lot of times to his Island called little St. James named after a professor in a book, it had an the, infatuation the, the, with the, an underage yeah, girl. Yeah, like I said, this. So even if you want to give every benefit of every doubt, and I know people out there love Bill Clinton, love the guy. I, look, at some point you gotta you gotta face the reality that it's more likely than not he was into this and he was taking full advantage of this. Does that mean that the girls he wanted to go to were all underage? No, but they were still probably victims of sex trafficking, and he was all too happy to oblige. 26 times, like, how how stupid do you want me to think you are, Mr. Clinton? How, like, how ignorant could you have possibly been on this? I'm, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but, man, that's, with this guy. that's a tall order. So I think the problem is that because it's such an uncomfortable topic and it's such a horrific thing to even think about, people look the other way, which then allows it to go on. 
this problem is still real. This didn't die with Jeffrey Epstein. No. I mean, these, these cases of these kids getting rescued happened within the last few months. All right, this is still a very real thing. And if we don't start looking into this a little bit and holding some people accountable. Yeah, it's got to be talked about and it's got to be put into the public light because, again, the more that gets shown out, the less likely they, they stay in the dark. So um, I know we're going to continue to cover this. And like I said, hopefully within the next week or so, we get a list of uh, names on that log. Um, but I would tell everybody to encourage them to watch that uh, or listen to that broken podcast on uh, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to us. You can listen to them, I'm sure. Um, again, there's the, the, the Netflix documentary. The one thing I will, I'll, I'll mention, and we've talked about it here, uh, is they don't really go into the um, intelligence ties that right. Epstein and, and, and Ghislaine Maxwell uh, have and have had. Um, and I'll leave it there. Um because I don't think that's a small factor. I think that the fact that they were part of the intelligence apparatus was the main reason why they were insulated and be able to keep this secret as long as they were, because they knew stuff that other people didn't know. So um, that's the part that I don't think should ever be dropped. um, Because if they were part of the intelligence apparatus, that means our government knew and our government knew for a long time and did nothing about it and basically let the thing operate or had an active role. Or, or had an active role, right. like worst case scenario, for sure. So, or like I said, they could have been compromised too, right? I mean, it doesn't take, we're talking about how this is a, a, a honeypot bribe blackmail. uh, blackmailing scandal. And if you've blackmailed the FBI, you you can do what you need to do with the FBI. So, yep. um, it's, again, it's unbelievable to have to face this reality that this is a thing because there's an innate part of all of us that wants to protect children they are innocent they are they have no business having this happen to them and the damage that is done to them is unbelievable to think about and yet this is happening and we never ever talk about i mean how many of you people listening right now have actually had this conversation with friends or family before about holy shit like can you believe the 40 kids just got rescued do we think we got all of them Do we think we rescued all do we think we even rescued one percent of the kids that are in sex trafficking rings by this one bust no, and it's like I said, it's a global thing, and that's we're just talking about in our country. So, right. um, no, but it's it's terrible. So, sorry to end on such a down. Uh, I feel topic, like we need I to guess, have something but, more upbeat. Um, that I don't really awful. have anything. I don't either. Uh, I'm in a bad mood now. I mean, I know Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> I mean, I, this is the only thing keeping Maxwell alive is that they can't do it twice. Like they can't oh, come in and, and murder. She's her. gonna die of COVID. I told you. I I know, but they can't just come in and have it be a suicide the same way. Because I tell you the, that my. About my assumption that Biden's going to get COVID, they're going to replace. Oh him. yeah, I still oh, okay. think that's going to happen. I can't remember if I mentioned that on the show or not. I'm still uh, still riding that wave too. So I, I actually do think the debates tomorrow. I'll watch the first one just because I got to. I mean, it's look. Is say it tomorrow? What I, you said what's that? Did you say it was tomorrow? Tomorrow night, Tuesday, nine p.m. I'll be working the debates. I, here's my only. I don't want to watch this because this is going to be bad. Um, I don't. I, you and I are on a similar wave here. I don't terribly like either one of these guys, but I I, I have accepted one of them is going to be the president. And to listen to these two people go back and forth about how much they care for the everyday man, I'm just, I, I don't want to hear it, honestly. And for all of the, listen, you can love Joe Biden. He's such a nice guy. He overcame his stutter. Great. You can't tell me the guy still has his fastball. He nope. doesn't like he's just not as sharp as he wants. I'm not saying it's early onset Alzheimer's or dementia or anything else. He's just not as sharp as he once was. And he gets confused and he gets lost in his own train of thought and he makes no sense. And he cites data that's false and he has no he cites data that's so far wrong that if he really understood what he was saying, he would have been like, oh, no, wait, it's not possible that the U.S. military has one hundred and fifty thousand cases. That doesn't that's the wrong number. It's it's closer to five. But he has no idea what he's saying anymore. So here we sit. I got to listen to these two go back and forth on it. And I guess I don't have to, but I probably will. Yeah, I will too. I, it's just, it'll be, it's important. It matters. But I like, here's where I find most of us are in this position of, of like, okay, a lot of people who agree with Donald Trump's policies don't terribly like him as a person. And most of the complaints about Donald Trump seem to be that they view him as, uh, a relic who is corrupt and uncaring about the average person and who's just in this for personal arrangement, uh, personal enrichment. Okay. And you, your answer to that is Joe Biden. Your answer to that is Joe 48 years of public service wrote and sponsored the crime bill of 1994 
Yeah, I don't know which hill is is worse for them to try to die on. The and I'm the more I'm less corrupt than Trump or the 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 one you were just talking about. <laughs> right, like the, the the history of being wrong on yeah. every major issue and then lying about it. Like I came out against the Iraq War. No, you didn't. And then, and then, like I said, and this whole backdrop of the criminal justice reform and having Kamala Harris and Biden as the ticket is, is somewhat entertaining to me it's as well. It's laughable so. because it makes no sense if you know anything about their track record. And then, like, listen, I, I'm honestly hearing from people that are more upset that Ivanka Trump is taking an unpaid position as a assistant to the president than the fact that Hunter Biden was receiving millions of dollars from individuals and companies in Russia, the Ukraine, and China, while his father as vice president was tasked with spearheading official U.S. policies in Russia, or sorry, not, not Russia, in the Ukraine and in China. And they're like, well, it wasn't at least an official position. Like, no, this is way worse. There's no oversight. Why do you think they gave just, this kid millions of dollars? Listen, when you when you become president, just make sure you adopt me. I, <laughs> you can I trade you. off my name. And that's like, like all the corruption and everything else. You're like, none of this is new. This has been going on forever. But if this is your anti-corruption, pro-racial unity, presidential alternative to Donald Trump, you couldn't have done worse. Yeah. This guy's been around forever. He wrote half the laws that we view as unobject or excuse me, as objectively racially profiled and racially charged. He demeaned Ronald Reagan for not putting enough people in prison for drug offenses. Like nobody remembers any of this anymore and you're just sitting there going, but this is the this is the alternative. The same guy that referred to Barack Obama as the sort of the first sort of clean-cut, kind of good-looking and articulate African-American population in 2008. And you're going, so that one's not racist, huh? No. It's interesting. Boy, that's interesting. That's just, that's just Uncle Joe. Oh, good old Uncle Joe. Lunchbox Joe coming in. No, right. no corruption, no self-dealing, no All right. nepotism. All right. Well, help I guess we, le we left it on somewhat of a lighter note. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's way more uplifting than one of these two idiots is going to be president. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to let you go. Uh, we'll be back again next Monday, 12 p.m. Uh, right here for the uh, live stream. You can get our audio version on all your favorite podcasts whenever, uh, wherever you download. So uh, thank you. Like, subscribe, and review, and all that good stuff. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.